Welcome to the Northbound Wealth Podcast. All opinions expressed by me, my co-hosts, or my guests are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Northbound Wealth Management, LLC. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment, tax, or legal advice, or as a solicitation to offer or buy any securities. Clients of Northbound Wealth Management, LLC may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Your host, Brent Foster, CEO of Northbound Wealth Management. Stocks have a warmer week as inflation cools. Uh, I'm, I just released this on the blog, August 16th. An improving inflation outlook buoyed investor spirits last week, helping lift stocks to solid gains. The Dow Jones Industrial Average advanced 2.92%, while the S&P 500 rose 3.26%. The NASDAQ Composite Index added 3.08% for the week. The MSCI EFA Index, which tracks developed overseas stock markets, gained 2.39%. So that means the Dow is down 7.09% for the year. NASDAQ is down 16.60% for the year. MSCI EFA is down 15.67%. And the S&P 500 is down 10.20%. The 10-year note closed at 2.84%. That's up 0.01% for the week and year-to-date is up 1.32%. So what happened? Stocks, uh, Stock prices surged midweek when the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics released a better-than-expected consumer price index number with buying momentum building throughout the trading sessions. Gains were significant across the board with technology and small cap companies leading the market higher. The midweek rally sent the S&P to its highest level since May and the NASDAQ to its highest level since April. Bond yields fell on expectations that the Fed's pressure to hike rates further might ease. After pausing on Thursday, stocks again ripped higher on Friday, aided in part by a report indicating improving consumer sentiment. Inflation cools. So the the CPI index in July was softer than expected, with prices unchanged from the previous months thanks to a 4.6% decline in energy prices and a 7.7% drop in gasoline. Despite the encouraging results, the CPI report still evidenced uh, upward price pressure. The year-over-year -year inflation rate remained at 8.5%, while the core CPI, excluding food and energy, came in at 5.9%. Among the index components seeing substantial price increases were food, which was up 10.9% from 12 months ago, and shelter up 5.7%. Producer prices fell 0.05% in July, suggesting that future consumer price increases may continue to moderate. This week, key economic data. So we've got um, today industrial production, housing starts, Wednesday retail sales, uh, the FOMC minutes are released on Wednesday, Thursday, jobless claims, existing home sales, the, and then the index of leading economic indicators, which we'll be tracking. Um, this week, uh, companies reporting earnings are, well, let's see, Walmart today, the Home Depot, uh, that today's Tuesday, by the way, Wednesday, Cisco Systems, Target, Lowe's, uh, and then the TJX companies. Thursday, Applied Materials and NetEase. And then Friday, 
uh, Deere and company. So that would be John Deere. So we'll keep an eye on the markets for you. Here's some more um, insights and educational information regarding personal finance, investing and markets. And so take a listen. So here's some helpful retirement strategies for women. This is Brent Foster, CEO of Northbound Wealth Management. Preparing for retirement could look a little different for women than it does for men. Although stereotypes are changing, women are still more likely to serve as caretakers than men are, meaning they may accumulate less income and benefits due to their time absent from the workforce. Some research shows that 31% of women are currently or have been caregivers during their careers. Women who are working also tend to put less money aside for retirement. According to one report, women contribute 30% less to their retirement accounts than men do. These numbers may seem overwhelming, but you don't have to be a statistic. With a little foresight and planning, you can start taking steps now, which may help you in the long run. Here are three steps to consider that may put you ahead of the curve. Number one, talk about money. Nowadays, discussing money is less taboo than it's been in the past, and it's crucial to taking control of your financial future. If you're single, consider writing down your retirement goals and keeping them readily accessible. If you have a partner, make sure that you are both on the same page regarding your retirement goals. The more comfortably you can talk about your future, the more confident you may be uh, in making important decisions when they come up. Um, Number two, be proactive about your retirement. Do you have clear defined goals for what you want your retirement to look like? And do you know where your retirement accounts stand today? Being proactive with your retirement accounts allows you to create a goal-oriented roadmap. It may also help you adapt when necessary and continue your journey regardless of things like relationship status or market fluctuations. And number three, make room for your future in your budget. Adjust your budget to allow for retirement savings just as you would for a new home or your dream vacation. Like any of your other financial goals, You may find it beneficial to review your retirement goals on a regular basis to make sure you remain on track. Retirement may look a little different for women than it is for men, but with the right strategies and support, you'll be able to live the retirement you've always dreamed of. There's an article written by Mike Winters, um, and it landed on CNBC's website. Americans earning 200,000 or more are flocking to these 10 states says affluent Americans have flocked to the Sunbelt states since the pandemic started, with Florida leading the pack by a wide margin. A new analysis reveals. Looking at migration patterns between 2019 and 2020, personal finance website Smart Asset ranked all 50 states plus the District of Columbia based on the net migration of households earning 200000 or more. Of the 10 states with the largest influx of high-earning households, nine are located in the Sunbelt including the sixth highest ranked states, starting with Florida. For the analysis, Smart uh, Smart Asset defines the Sun Belt as the general geographical region stretching across the Southeast and Southwest. Here's a look at the top 10 states, as well as the net number of high earning households added to each state. You can find it on cnbc.com. But the number one state is Florida, number two, Texas, three, Arizona, four, North Carolina, five, South Carolina, six, Tennessee, Number seven is Colorado, eight, Nevada, nine, Idaho, and number 10, Utah. 
Factors leading to the migration to the Sun Belt include lower taxes and warmer weather. Hmm, that sounds good. As well as more people retiring during the pandemic. Florida was by far the most popular destination as the inflow of high earners was nearly four times that of Texas. The next highest ranked state for the top 10 states, Florida, Texas, Tennessee, and Nevada don't have taxes at the state level. Hmm. Make note, the gains made in the Sun Belt came at the expense of mostly northeastern states. The biggest losers were California and New York with nearly 20,000 high earners leaving each state. That's more than twice the amount of households as Illinois, the third worst ranked state. However, it's worth noting that the states at the bottom of the ranking still have a higher than average percentage of households earning over 200,000. The 10 lowest ranked states share of high earners averages 8.79% compared to 6.82% for all tax filers nationally. And while many of these states have a high cost of living, they also tend to have higher median incomes than Sun Belt states. To calculate the ranking, Smart Asset examined households with adjusted gross incomes of 200,000 or more, comparing the location reported in their 2019 tax return with the new location reported on their 2020 tax return. Each state was then ranked by the net inflow of high earning households. I, I guess we need to tax the middle class a little bit more. So the IRS needs to hire 87,000 uh, agents to kind of help them out with uh, bringing in new tax revenues, I guess. Anyway, uh, that was a joke, that last part. So I was just having fun there. Um, but I thought that was an interesting article I came across. And if you're looking to retire, maybe you guys go down and join them down in the Sun Belt region instead of being here in Indiana. Is the shifting market a challenge or an opportunity for home buyers? This segment has to do with real estate. If you tried to buy a home during the pandemic, you know the limited supply of homes for sale was a considerable challenge. It created intense bidding wars, which drove home prices up as buyers competed with one another to be the winning offer. But what was once your greatest challenge may now be your greatest opportunity. Today, data shows buyer demand is moderating in the wake of, of higher mortgage rates. Here are a few reasons why the shift in the housing market is good news for your home buying plans. The challenge. There were many reasons for the limited number of homes on the market during the pandemic, including a history of underbuilding new homes since the market crash of 2008. As this graph shows, which I'll put on my blog at some point, housing supply is well below what the market has seen for most of the past 10 years. And it is, when I look at this chart, it's significantly below um, where it has been. And, and a lot of the large builders were intentionally building um, at a pace under uh, the demand for uh, homes, especially first-time home buyers. Um, so what's the opportunity? Um, that same graph uh, shows a trend back up in the right direction this year because moderating demand is slowing the pace of home sales. And that's one of the reasons housing supply is finally able to grow. For you, that means you'll have more options to choose from. So it shouldn't be as difficult to find your next home as it has been recently. And having more options may also lead to less intense bidding wars. 
data from the Realtors Confidence Index from the National Association of Realtors shows this trend has already begun. In their recent reports, bidding wars are easing month over month. If you've been outbid before or you've struggled to find a home, that means you're uh, that, that meets your needs, Bre uh, breathe a welcome sigh of relief. The big takeaway here is you have more options and less competition today. Just remember, while easing data shows multiple offer scenarios are still happening, they're just not as intense as they were over the past year. You should still lean on an agent to guide you through the process and help you make your strongest offer up front. The bottom line is, if you're looking to make a move, it may be time to pick your home search back up today and partner with a real estate professional to kick off the home buying process. So I came across this article that uh, was written by Cheyenne Devon. Uh, CNBC posted it. It's it starts out by saying Elon Musk sold nearly $7 billion worth of Tesla stock. Here's how much money you would have had if you had invested $1,000 in the company 10 years ago. So it's pretty crazy um, doing some of the math on this, but Tesla CEO, he sold 7.92 million shares of the EV manufacturer worth about $6.88 billion between August 5th and August 9th of 2022. Uh, according to a series of recent SEC filings. As of August 9th, Tesla shares were valued at about $850 each at the close of trade. That price has fallen a little over 9% since the close of trading on August 4th when the shares were $938 each. Um, that's according to CNBC. As, uh, as for how shareholders would fare longer term, if you'd invested... $1,000 in Tesla a year ago on August 11, 2021, your investment would be up by about 23%, according to CNBC calculations, for a fair value of around $1,230 as of August 10th, 2022. If you had invested $1,000 five years ago on August 11, 2017, your investment would be worth around $12,160. And if you had invested $1,000 on August 11th of 2012 and given your investment a decade to grow, you would have around $145,341 as of August 10th, 2022. Isn't that amazing? That's a lot of money. <clears throat> That's why we want to invest in companies, individual stocks and or uh, exchange traded funds that have exposure to innovative technologies. So um, it goes on to talk about SpaceX and everything. This article can be found on CNBC. This is Brent Foster with your technical analysis spotlight. This is week eight. And um, before I wrap up every show, I try to go through some technical analysis and some, some basic 101 type of things. The S&P 500, the NASDAQ, and the Dow Jones Industrial Average, three of the major indices that most people track, are above the June highs. Uh, the highs that, the, uh, that the, each of those markets posted in June were above those levels now. So um, that is a substantial rebound 
from the sell-off that we had in the first few months of this year. So um, the the comeback's been pretty remarkable. We're at a we're at a place now this week, and this is the middle of August, uh, which I made an indicator like a week or two ago that we'd probably press up into highs into mid August. Um, and we'll, the, those highs, what I'm talking about are like hitting the 200 day moving average for each one of those indices. And that's exactly where we're at, um, as of today's trading, which is August 16th. So, um, what that means for the equity markets is it's kind of like an inflection point. We're going to see if the, the, the overall broader markets are going to push up and through, uh, above resistance levels. The 200 day is resistance because it's above where uh, the market's been trading. Um, and so if we get above those and then hold above those for a, a period of time, um, we could end up pushing past what most people think are uh, a, a, a downtrend or a bear market. Um, I actually don't think that's going to happen. I think that we'll probably continue in this downtrend that we're in. Um, this is just the upper confluence levels of that of that uh, particular downtrend. So um, a typical bear market rally. Um, it's been pretty strong. Um, it makes people start to think, is the bear market over? Um, I don't think it is. I think that this will be a continuation of a downtrend, but that doesn't mean that there aren't opportunities out there. Or up in those opportunities are uh, adding exposure to certain uh, areas uh, within a portfolio or certain stocks it, that highlight a certain theme or sector of the economy that might benefit from uh, some of the some of the headwinds that are going on or the tailwinds that are going on. So um, that's why I think a lot of people need financial advisors, investment managers, and investment professionals to help them with their uh, asset allocation models and their their goals and objectives within uh, their investment strategy. So um, anyway, uh, that's the big question. Are we in a bull market or uh, are we uh, still uh, in a just a bear market and we're just having a rally within a bear market? Um, you know, the modest decline in, in the inflation report supports the view that inflation may be peaking and commodity prices coming down in oil in particular uh, supports that view. But um, so does a pullback in bond yields. So when bond yields are pulling back, that also supports the view that, you know, hey, you know, maybe we're going to have uh, a continued rally. Um, but, you know, with higher inflation if, for, for a sustained period of time, that's not exactly good for stocks and home values coming down. That isn't either. And sentiment, consumer sentiment, um, or is just barely coming off a very high level. So when you look at all of that, coupled with an, a, a substantially inverted yield curve, um, success, uh, suggests like that we're going to have a recession. It may not be in indicated this year, but it may likely be indicated next year. Um, that's why we look at charts. Charts help us determine the market trends. And a lot of the charts that I'm seeing suggest that we'll still have some continued downside, but um, there's still opportunities out there uh, to invest in over the next you know, 12 to 18, 24 months and three years and five years and a more strategic, longer-term view 
there's a lot of opportunities and talking with the professionals, uh, a very important thing to do uh, during the times uh, where we're kind of like, it's a mixed bag and we're up in the air. And that's why when you watch major news outlets and media, um, you'll get two opposing views and nothing definitive uh, because a lot of people are debating this and it's kind of up in the air. Um, but uh, if you if you feel like it's necessary and you'd like to have a conversation, I'd be happy to have it with you. Uh, and you can do that by reaching out to Northbound, Northbound Wealth Management at 317-399-1107. 317-399-1107. Thank you for listening to the Northbound Wealth Management Weekly Market Insights with your host, Brent Foster, founder and CEO of Northbound Wealth Management. Until next week, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon.